Hello, it's Peter Wright and Kathleen Beauvais in Ontario, Canada, with episode number 131 of The Yacking Show. This is the show for awakening you to new perspectives for surviving in the very changing world we find ourselves in right at the moment. As always, we have a lineup of interesting guests for you. Today's will be no exception, but I don't want to steal Kathleen's thunder. So my first job is to introduce my co-host, Kathleen, from Waterloo, Canada. And I have to tell you that Kathleen is the person to go to. She can help you with all your IT development needs. So welcome, Kathleen. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, Peter. Thank you for that intro. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. We so appreciate you and we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And if anyone out there is interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to either Peter or myself. And as Peter mentioned, we do have another very special guest with us today. It, it will be a very in interesting show. His name is Shane Pockroy. Shane, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Now, you are the host of the Underground Antics podcast. Can you tell our audience a little bit about your background and what led you to start your own podcasting show? Sure. Well, as you know, podcasting is one of the best formats around. Um, I really enjoy, I'm a big fan of podcasts myself, and I have been for a number of years well before I started the podcast myself. And um, what I really like about it is the long form style, you know, like the conversation style, like this podcast is as well. Um, mine is the same. And, you know, what I enjoy about it is that you're not getting like a two or five or seven minute interview like you would normally on a TV show uh, with, you know, an interesting person. You get to really sit and go deep into a number of different topics and really figure out who the person is and what their story is or what their expertise lies in. And so, you know, the podcast format really opens up that um, ability to have. And so for me, how I got started in it was, I don't know, it, it must have been mm, probably two or three years ago, I started like playing with the idea of like, oh, I could, I could do a podcast like, you know, I mean, I have always been able to just talk to people, you know, anyone that I meet. Um, I guess I'm lucky that way. <laughs> I mean, it's funny. I don't, I wouldn't sort of call myself an extrovert, except when I want to be, you know, I do tend to spend most of my time by myself, just chilling or doing whatever, but I really do enjoy talking to people and hearing stories and learning new things and, you know, getting to share that with other people as well. Um, is a great opportunity. And so at some point I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Like now's the time. And at first I actually started with um, just doing solo episodes. So it was just me monologuing for a bit and that was fun, but it was quite difficult because I didn't have like an area of expertise or passion that I could go on and on about. So after about three episodes of that, I kind of like took a break and I needed to like refocus. And then I, uh, sometime after that, I was like, I'm going to do the interview style, right? Have the conversations with people. Um, and so I started doing that about six months ago or something like that. Um, and I've loved it. I mean, I've spoken to some really amazing people. You know, my show, I think much like yours, has less of a niche market per se, where, you know, we, we talk to people across the board with varying interests or expertise or stories or 
whatever it is, it's like, oh, this is an interesting person. I want to talk to them, right? And hear what they have to say and let them share their wisdom uh, with the world as well. And so, yeah, I mean, I've loved it ever since. Uh, no episodes have been bad, <laughs> luckily, so far, fingers crossed, you know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, that that's where I'm at. And I couldn't be happier and, and I feel truly lucky and, and blessed to to be in this position. Great. Great. Well, I listened to one of your episodes and I thoroughly enjoyed it and I want to get back and listen to more. Uh, like always, time. We meet so many interesting people ourselves just to listen to all of them. You know, there's not enough hours in the day. But anyway, we will get there. So yeah. for our viewers who picked up on the similarity of our accents, uh, like me, you spent a lot of time, most of your life, in fact, in South Africa. And uh, you've been here for a number of years, obviously. But have you have you found living in Canada a big adjustment? Um, I mean, yes and no. So I was born in South Africa. Um, so were my parents and grandparents. They originally came from Lithuania. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm part of the like sort of smallish Jewish community that lived in South Africa for a while. Um, I think there were about 60,000 at one point, mm -hmm. um, which is sizable in itself. But I guess, you know, in a population of like 50 or 60 million, you're like, tiny blip right that's right yeah um but nevertheless so i was born there and i went to school there and i did everything and um, i moved to canada with my family when i was about 19 or so and it was mostly to get away from uh south africa you know with the current situation as i mean current i mean it's been like this for a long time but it's evolving and you know, the place is getting more and more dangerous and, mm. you know, there's crime everywhere and everyone suffers from it, you know, myself and my family included. And, you know, I mean, people get killed for their watch or for their car or for their whatever it is. And it was just not a great place to start a future. And my parents knew that I have a younger sister. So my parents knew that she and I would leave as soon as we could um anyway and so they had made the decision that they wanted to also come along with us right so that we could sort of live our lives together somewhere else um and that's what like a lot of people are doing you know there's a there's a big exodus and mm -hmm. it's getting more and more uh widespread uh, particularly for like younger people i think who have that opportunity to leave you know i think once you're like well established in a place and you have a business or you're working and a family and your whole world is there as you get older it becomes more and more difficult to uproot sure. Sure. um not that people don't do it i mean my grandparents uh emigrated to retire in, in israel you know some 15 years ago and so it it's obviously you know lots of people do do it but um, it can be tricky but um so yeah, so we came to Canada and I studied here and worked here and um, it's been a big adjustment in terms of the lifestyle, you know, mm -hmm. uh, and well, the weather, of course, um, you know, in South Africa, it doesn't snow and here it it snows like, <laughs> what, like eight months of the year it's cold. I mean, we... <laughs> we don't we don't get that much snow for eight months, but it's cold a lot of the time. Right. So that was that was for sure an adjustment. Uh, but you take up things like winter sports and various activities to keep busy. And, you know, humans are remarkably 
um, adaptable to new things. And so, you know, just with, without having like the attitude of like, this always sucks and it doesn't get better and whatever, if you just kind of accept it and be like, okay, well, how can I make the most of this situation? Um, that's really what made the difference, right? To be able to say like, okay, well, you know, I have to sort of sacrifice the weather of South Africa, but you come to Canada and there's all these amazing things that this society has, uh, that's the sort of positive that you get from it, as, of course, uh, you guys know, living here, right? Absolutely. Um, no, absolutely. And no one's trying to kill you when you're living here. All right. Well, not not very often, and <laughs> unless you say really yeah. bad things on someone's podcast, of course. Yeah. I, I, just for, for the sake... Sorry, Kathleen, you've got to tell me to keep my mouth shut. If you just for, the, for our audience, I just want to um, tell our audience yeah. that when Shane is talking about many, many people leaving South Africa, this has been going on for 20, 30 years, and it's not only white people. I mean, if, mm -hmm. if, if one is to go to England, uh, the hospitals are full of South African and Zimbabwean nurses, just, just one area of employment in England. Um, many, many of people of other races have also left, those that could. Um, some, you know, many, of course, don't have the opportunity. So mm -hmm. it's, not, it's not purely a white exodus. It's a brain drain as much as anything, I think. Am I correct in that, Shane? Yeah, absolutely. And it, it depends on, as you say, like the person or the people and, and whether they can leave or not, right? Because sure. it's not just dangerous for white people. Although, I mean, I guess, I mean, I don't have stats on hand, but they tend to be the target of a lot of the crime, but not exclusively. Sure. Not at all. Actually, now that I th so just for, you know, for anyone listening, like the racial ratio statistics in South Africa are quite interesting, right? So with a population of about um, 60 million-ish now, I think, mm -hmm. it's about like 50 million black, um, yeah. which you can divide into all different groups, but uh, from a racial perspective, it's that. And then there's about 2 million white people um, of either Dutch or English descent, you know, that South Africa was colonized by the Dutch in the 1600s and then by the English in the 1800s, hence why we speak English. Um, and then there's, you know, like the, the colored race, which is um, technically like a mixed race, but in South Africa, they call, that's how they self-define um, mm -hmm. as colored and they have their own culture and community and, you know, all great people. And, you know, the hard thing is about a country that is sort of descending like South Africa tends to be is that most people are obviously good and nice yeah, and well-meaning and just, you know, wonderful people. And the culture there is, is phenomenal. I mean, it's really a special place and I would highly encourage anyone to go there tra when traveling and you get to go to the safaris and it's such an amazing place and food and, and all that kind of stuff. But to live there is a different story and For politically, sure. you know, over the last 20 years or so, there have been increases in like anti-white um, programs. I don't know what the right word is to use it. And, you know, not to be critical of governments or whatever. It's like before then there was the apartheid, which was a real oppressive regime you know of of the white nationalists oppressing you know the entire black population and that was terrible right like torture and, and brutal and, and really rough stuff and then uh, mandela sort of liberated that with his crew in the in 94 and so you know it's this it's this balance of political power game sure. and, um 
it, you know, we're seeing it in many countries in the world. And so from that perspective, what happens is when the government sort of, at least this is my experience of it as, as a non-political expert, um, as the government sort of started to try and um, reboot the country, and you know they wanted to empower those who have been underprivileged and uh, suffered in history that's all good right that sounds like the right thing to do um, and they started doing that uh, but things sort of took a turn here and there with like extreme high levels of corruption and greed and you know just things that really dis destabilized all of it right and so a huge amount of the money, taxpayer money, whatever, um, wasn't going towards rebuilding society. Mm -hmm. It was trying to transfer power uh, in a lot of places in and, ways and that... transfer wealth as well. That was absolutely the, the yeah. problem. Yeah, no, it's and that's one of the reasons why I left several years before you. I, I yeah. was that writing on the wall, and and I was one. I was. 50-ish when I left South Africa, but when I came to Canada, I was uh, in my mid-50s, and so I know what you're talking about and how it's more difficult, in many ways, more difficult to re-establish oneself, but at least in your 50s, normally you don't have young children to worry about um, in a new country, so there's this pros and cons for all that. So yeah. I know K Kathleen wanted to ask you something about philosophy. Sure. So before I get into more trouble, let me let me hand the reins back to Kathleen. <laughs> um, so, and you studied philosophy and psychology in university, but you're also fascinated by sciences and technology and spirituality. How did one lead to the other? Yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, so, both of my parents are psychologists, so that's where that comes from, and so. That side of things has always been a part of my life, and my sister is now qualifying as a as a social worker as well. And so, um, I've always had that fascination, um, and I've always been a very curious person, right? Like even as a kid, I would ask all kinds of questions about everything, and I just wanted to know, right? And as I got older, I kind of realized that I was looking for a kind of answer that, you know, science couldn't really provide right it was that kind of like deeper level spiritual uh yearning i guess you could say um or your soul questions or whatever it is and they tended to manifest more in the sense of like um you know you you first start off being like well i want to know all about humans and human nature and that then you study that hoping to kind of like find yourself in that and that didn't really work so then I moved on to the philosophy side of things, which I loved because it was all these big questions. And then the problem with that was that, well, philosophy doesn't really give you any answers, right? Uh, for the most part, it gives you options to choose from because you have all these great thinkers giving very logical arguments for big questions. You know, does God exist? What's the meaning of life? That kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but you'll have multiple camps giving contradictory answers that you look at and you're like, oh, well, they're all right, but they can't all be right because uh, they contradict each other. You know, either God is this or God is that or God is the other thing. And they're, they're sort of relatively mutually exclusive. And so although it's an interesting and important discipline in itself, um, it didn't really give me any more answers that 
that I was looking for. And then finally, um, I happened upon a book, uh, The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle, who is my, like, I would consider my official online guru. And I say online because I've never met him. I mean, I wish I would, but for the for the moment, I just listen to his stuff and read his books. And that was the first time when I really got that taste of like, oh, there's more to life than knowledge and answers in that realm, right? And the spiritual, I don't know, path or whatever you want to call it is basically exploring what's beyond just what we know and can talk about. And it's, it's at a much deeper level. And those were the kind of answers that I was looking for, although they're not really answers as such, they're more like ways of being in life, right? Um, so that's how, kind of how I got to where I am. Uh, ah, yeah. okay, interesting. Going back to your podcast or going forward onto your mm. podcast now, you, you mentioned that you don't have a particular niche and you like to interview interesting people. Um, is there a particular type or range of interesting people you like to interview and how do you go about finding them? Yeah, so um, when it started, I was kind of like doing anyone that I could get, right, just to sort of get some traction, develop the skill of conversation and interviewing people, you know, it's not, uh, I mean, I, I mean, I guess people who don't do it might not know, but like, it's a real skill to be able to have a conversation with people and extract the best from them, right? And Absolutely. have have them be uh, at ease and comfortable and willing to share and open up in that capacity, particularly for people who are not naturally just speakers and can speak endlessly you know to be able to get them to really uh, give you information um, is a skill and so i wanted to practice that and so i kind of started just with my own network of like who do i know or who do i know who knows people uh, but now i'm at a point where i'm like oh well i want to talk to like people that are the most interesting because from the feedback that i've gotten from listeners it's like the best episodes are the ones where I'm the most invested in it, right? And I have the most interest and that somehow communicates through the show. Mm -hmm. um, and so for everyone's sake, it's better to find those that are, you know, like real top notch, um, which I've been blessed to be able to find. And uh, so, you know, I like to talk to scientists about stuff. Um, that's always interesting, whether it's scientists or doctors or researchers um neuroscience is a big like area that i love uh, i love to talk to spiritual so-called spiritual people teachers speakers authors that kind of stuff um because that lines up with what i like to talk about um i also like to talk to people with good stories uh they don't you know doesn't have to be any expertise just like someone who's gone through something crazy or many crazy things and like that's always fascinating to me, um, even like aliens, like I've had some people come on to talk about that kind of stuff, which is so cool. Um, and so, yeah, and, and I find them there's through, I mean, there's multiple channels. Uh, sometimes people reach out to me, uh, sometimes I reach out to people and I find them, yeah, through like, you know, the various social media tools that you can use to find yep. guests for podcasts, um, but also just like googling stuff and finding who's the top people in the field that are you know somewhat media personalities that would be willing to do shows right because not because not everyone is 
No, no, we, we know that. And just for uh, any aspiring podcasters out there, there's a good resource called matchmaker.fm that uh, I think we both use. And yeah. um, they're, they're, they're quite good at finding guests and finding platforms if you want to be a guest. Before Kathleen gets in with her question, a very quick one, and it mm. only needs a short answer. You mentioned your grandparents moved from uh, Lithuania, one of the Baltic states, right? And I know things in the Second World War in those three states there were very hairy. Have you been to Lithuania at all? I have not, no. Um, okay. And actually, it was my great-grandparents that oh, moved, great-grandparents. so okay. I, I have no real connection sure, other than sure. just that bloodline. No, I, I've met a few people. What about from, you? From, I haven't been there myself, but I know people from those states, um, some of whom, some of their grandparents would have had similar experiences to your great-grandparents. And I, I was just intrigued just mm-hmm. with your with your. Uh, interest in philosophy and psychology i was wondering if you had been to those because apparently estonia and i think lithuania have a very high percentage of skilled people and are very high up in um, tech and it and all this sort of thing anyway that was yeah. just an aside i was interested maybe you'll no. get there one day yeah Kathleen, over to you oh just getting back to your podcast shane what do you see the future for your podcasts and where do you hope it will lead you to so the truth is, I'm not sure. Um, I mean, I have some dreams about where it would go and what it would mean. But currently, I'm in a in the position where I'm like, I'm open to see where it goes, right? And what opportunities come from it, because I'm sure as uh, you've also experienced is like, you get to meet people that you wouldn't have otherwise met. That's um, true. And opportunities pop up just out of nowhere, mm-hmm. right? that you wouldn't have entertained before then. And so I don't know where it's going to go, but that's quite exciting. Um, My dream, you know, I don't have a dream for it to be like the top podcast in the world or whatever it is. I'm like, that's fine. You know, Um, for me, it's not so much about like the fame or the recognition or any of that kind of stuff. Like why I love doing the podcast is that I can do what I love, which is talk to people and learn and share with the world. And also, you know, like bring some positivity and and some good stuff to people. And then to be able to do that and make money is just, you know, it's like a dream come true. And so if I can sustain that and just build it slowly, then that's, that's what I want for it. Oh, that's great. great. And similar, similar to us, we started on a whim in March last year for two right. reasons. Uh, there was so much doom and gloom in the first stages of the great shutdown and mm. We wanted to bring a little bit of light into people's lives. And secondly, we we were in contact from our other businesses. We were in contact with a number of small business operators, particularly in the Kitchener Waterloo area, uh, who were really struggling with being shut down. And we wanted to give them some exposure. And that's why we started off with that. And we branched into authors. And wow. the third reason was we had so much fun. And we thought, well, we'll try it for a couple of episodes. And We've had so much fun. We're now on 131, and we we'll keep going. So that was similar to you. And yeah. what I, and Peter, that's amazing. We now yeah. have an international audience. Oh, absolutely! I, you're number three, I think, from South Africa, or with South African yeah. connections. Interviewed a couple: one from Port Elizabeth, one from Cape Town, uh, India, UK, other countries in Europe, a um, lot from the USA. Yeah, that's amazing. And audience all over, even Philippines. We have some audience in the philippines yeah that's cool shout out to them <laughs> yeah for sure for sure um they probably want to try and listen to people who speak english a funny way like me i don't know but anyway <laughs> yeah um 
of course, it makes it interesting when you're all over the world. Like people in Australia are just getting up as we're about to go to bed. So you've got to be a bit careful with your timings. So that's fun. What I wanted yeah. to ask you, yeah. with, with your background in, in philosophy and psychology, you know, how can mindfulness and spirituality help people in this really unsettled period we find ourselves in? And, and there's lots of concern about the future. It doesn't matter whether you're, you agree with everything that's being done for the virus or, like me, you're a bit of a maverick and think there's a bit of nonsense going on. Whichever, there, there's a lot of uncertainty ahead, whichever way we look at it. So how yeah. can those things help people? Well... You know, from my experience, meditation has transformed my life, right? Mm -hmm. And meditation comes in many forms, and it's really about what works for you as an individual. And so whether you want to do uh, short meditations, long meditations, guided meditations, just listening to music, going for a walk, going for a run, um, doing anything really that just lets you become lets your mind quieten, right? Or at least focus your attention on something, right? Like one part of meditation is the attention training to focus on a particular thing. So it could mm -hmm. be a mantra or an object or something like that or a tree. Um, and another part of it is then letting your attention just focus on itself, which is a sort of different kind of bit. But however you do it, I mean, even if you do it for two minutes a day, right? Uh, you immediately notice uh, the benefits of it because it really just relaxes your whole nervous system, right? And it's particularly important, I would I would say, in these times where things are so uncertain and there's a lot of emotion running high and fear and anxiety and depression, all really mean things that a lot of people are mm -hmm. experiencing. Mm -hmm. Now, it's not that this will cure those things, obviously, but what it does is it just allows you to just feel the like good aliveness of life um, in that moment. And you can even do it just by simply taking a deep breath in. You can be mid-conversation. And if you're just aware of that breath as it comes in and goes out, that's a meditation, mm -hmm. if you want to mm -hmm. call it that way. And it just derails the mind for long enough to be able to sort of ground you and recenter. And so, yeah, my recommendation would be to do what works best for you. And if you don't know what that is, try a few things, see, see what it's like. And, you know, go in without expectations that it's going to be miraculous or, uh, you know, have some major spiritual experience. It's like, no, that's not, I mean, it might happen and that would be great. But really just take a moment to just be present, right? And, and that's sort of what it comes down to for me. And that it, mm -hmm. you just you just do it, you know, frequently and like anything, it gets better with time. Thanks, Shane. Yeah. So, you, you this probably is in part an answer to this particular question, but maybe there's more to it. What would you encourage people to do in order to become more enlightened? Meditation is probably yeah one thing that they can do. But is there anything else that comes to mind? Yeah. Well, for I, I, it's hard for me to speak about like other people in general because we're so multi-varied and you know we manifest in a variety of different ways. But mm -hmm. I can speak for me and and what's worked for me and and what was most transformational. And I, I know that it's been similar for a lot of people, so perhaps that will help. But 
really what it came down to, and I learned this from Eckhart Tolle and a variety of teachers that preach similar messaging, is that, you know, we spend a lot of time thinking, just thinking, right, about all kinds of things, whether you're thinking about the past or you're thinking about the future or you're just, you're just too much in your head. Well, not you. I, we're too much in our head, right? And really being able to get out of our heads and just be present and just experience what's happening right now. I mean, they say that that's technically enlightenment. And then if you can sustain that, then you're you know officially enlightened, so to speak. But it, it's it's about... So the moment for me was when it was pointed out that you don't have to take your thoughts so seriously or your emotions, right? And we are not just thoughts and emotions. We are the witnessing presence in which thought and emotion arise, mm -hmm. right? And just like how, you know, we have thousands of thoughts a day that will pop into our head and leave immediately because we don't give it any attention because for whatever reason, it's meaningless in that moment or it's a crazy thought and you're like, that was weird and you just move on. Mm -hmm. But then you'll have another thought and an emotion will come with it and you'll get stuck there, right? And it mm -hmm. will lead to like a whole train of things that you're projecting just in your head, right? And it's not that they're not real, it's just that they're not relevant to this moment, right? right. They're worries about what you're going to have to do later or tomorrow or next week or things that might happen or other people that are doing things that might impact you or it could be you know feeling depressed about the past because you wish you would have done things differently or all these kinds of things that you know we don't have to listen to those thoughts and it's not about suppressing them because that doesn't work that just makes it worse it's really just about allowing them to be and then letting them go and coming back to whatever's happening just right here in, in this right. moment, right? And not getting taken, carried away with it. And it's not an easy thing to do because most of us have lived our whole lives not doing that, right? Absolutely. We've lived our whole lives. And, and I mean, it's taught to us, not maliciously, that's just sort of how most people operate. But, you know, the whole focus is on your mental uh, world of like how much you know and what you can do and how many problems can you solve and you know how do you deal with the emotions that come along in life and manage your relationships and it's very much like this mental world that we live in and that's okay you know that's just how the universe sort of evolved to this point it's how it is but you know we can take that and start to really just take a step back and be like okay well I'm not getting rid of my mind, but I don't have to listen to it right now. And I can just Good. be here and feel the peace, you know? Excellent. We, we're running near the end of our time. Very, very quick one. Oh. Based, based on your experience and <clears throat> of interviewing a wide range of guests, just in a nutshell, what's the secrets for a well-balanced and happy life? <laughs> in a nutshell. Quick one. In a, in a nutshell. Um, yeah, I, I mean... Do just like, I would say it comes down to like following your heart, right? Or your intuition and whatever that means for you and being like believing in yourself at that level and trusting that 
you know, you are here for, I mean, I happen, I, I believe that we have a purpose and that, you know, our intuition or whatever you want to call it, your heart, it guides us in the right direction. Right. And even if it feels contradictory to what other people or, you know, a society at large is telling you, you should be doing to live a happy life. You know, if, if you just follow what calls you from within, right. Um, then that's the best you can do and it will be plenty uh, Absolutely. and it will take you where you need to go, even if it's scary, right? It's not like it'll be easy uh, necessarily, but as I'm sure many people will attest, like when you listen to yourself, like that's when the best things happen. Right? Absolutely. No, you're exactly right in my experience too. Thank you, Shane. Back to Christine yeah. to wrap it up for us. How do people contact you? How do they get to be on your show? Sure. So um, if people want to check it out, it's called Underground Antics. It's available on all um, podcast streaming platforms like Spotify and Apple Podcasts and all that. Uh, or you can go to undergroundantics.com and um, you can contact me there. Otherwise, you can also find me on Facebook or Instagram or any of the social medias. It's just Shane Parkroy, um, which is S-H-A-N-E-P-O-K-R-O-Y. And yeah, um, check it out at you know, always happy to have people reach out. And yeah, I mean, thank you very much for having me on today. It's been a blast. I've really enjoyed it. Hey, it's Pleasure. very good. Thank you. And for me, the touch of nostalgia hearing that accent uh, and talking a little bit of the same language. So I appreciate that as well. Not, I'm not, not knocking Canada. I love Canada, but uh, it's, sure. it's good to have that connection with the, the old country. So thank you, Shane. Of course. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you all so very much for tuning into our show. And once again, we love reading your comments. So please keep those coming. And anyone out there interested in being a guest on our show, please don't hesitate to reach out to Peter or myself. So until next time, everyone, goodbye. Goodbye. <laughs>